0: Back to Work Seats in the House, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you from Valley Sports North Studios, where Anthony's working the Padres game. I'm back in town for the first time in ever. I love that the show
1: starts with a little from your notification of your phone. It's a perfect way to start it. I know. Everybody should no- know which phone it is because my phone has never once had the notifications turned on. Yeah, if Anthony is
0: not in the car or
1: looking at his phone, you're
0: it is impossible to get him. Uh, <laughs> in fact, every time I call you and you actually pick up, I'm just blown away, shocked, because it either means that you're playing a game on your phone or uh. I actually, or I car. answered
1: a couple calls yesterday because I had my earbuds in while I was doing yard work and I was listening to music. Uh-huh. and then all of a sudden it's the music got interrupted and the phone started, I, this has never happened to me before yeah. and I'm like hello and, and it was Margot and she was absolutely the same reaction. She's like, "Why are you answering the phone?" It's like, so well, if you didn't you, think I was going to answer the phone, why are you calling? So how much stuff did you do yesterday? You did
0: yard work? You flew to Warroad? Well, and you it did, was two okay. days ago. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Right.
1: This was Friday. <laughs> it was Friday. Yeah. Say. Yesterday there was yesterday was a day in Warroad. Yeah. So you get on the Marvin Windows plane to go up there? We did. We it was a First of all, I had a Twins game Friday night. So it was a, on the West Coast late night. I got home about 1:30 or so. Got into bed at 2: Set the alarm for 5:30 because we had a 7 a.m. departure from the charter terminal to fly up on the Marvin plane. 18 of us, and it was great. It was really it was a cool day all told. But the people up in Warroad are so terrific. They flew us up there, had a little presentation ceremony before the golf tourney to announce that Hockey Day Minnesota 2024 will be in Warroad. There will be a Rosa War again there's got to be well, right Well it isn't determined yet but I I mean I'm sure that's yeah. what we would like to see and there, we're hoping be. for a what would really be a terrific schedule but that's there there's a lot to be determined before then in fact this is the earliest usually they've announced the next host city at hockey day each year yeah, I was saying. and it gives them a year this now we decided by doing it in the middle of the summer gives them a year and a half to get everything ready and the organizing committee up there's already done a ton of work you can just tell you get an early sense as to whether or not a community's really got it together and they've got it together and everybody in the town will be a part of it helping out and so everything they do the guys who flew us up there, we land, and they've got like five Suburbans sitting there waiting for us, throw your clubs in here. This one, you know, guy's waving. He said, I've got you two guys, you're with me, we're going here, and uh, Wes Walls and Katie Storm were with us from Valley Sports North, in addition to John Stroh and Pat Fisher, our cameraman. But so we go up there, we had a little ceremony to announce that it's Hockey Day in Warroad on 2020 in 2024 had the girls' team there that won the state championship last year, the boys' team was there, a ton of dignitaries from Warroad's history, and then a charity golf event to raise money for the Warroad hockey program, which the design for it is so that they can have their rink open to the public all day, every day. Anytime you want to go in there and skate, go in there and skate. And they don't charge anybody anything, don't charge the youth programs anything for ice time. And this golf tourney, to which I've been invited the last five years and have never been able to make it because I've always had twins duty, this time we were able to make it, and it was great. And the support that they get from former Warroad players, former North Dakota players, where, where Oshie played his college hockey, and then former NHL or current NHL players that have, have crossed paths with War Ode over the years. It's it was a really an unbelievable event. I mean, they've had, back in the old days when the Christians were involved in it, like Gordie Howe played in this charity mm-hmm. event one time. I mean, it's crazy yeah. the people they get. And so the great turnout, great round of golf. And then they retired T.J. Oshie's jersey, his War Ode number 19 that he wore when he was in high school, and that was kind of cool to be there for that too. So it was a great. Wait, you day. had a full day there, full day, and then jumped back on the plane and flew home last night. And do you remember what the story when Chad Graff and I were in War Road once for
0: like an hour? Do you remember that story? After driving like what yeah. is it seven? It's, well, we drove about, the wrong way. It's
1: about seven, yeah, six we, and we, a half, we, seven we hours. We drove to drive. like through the middle of the state rather than taking the highways. Yeah, it was uh, six and a half or seven hours, yeah. and the it, it's a long haul. Yeah, and. It, Yes, you guys drove up there. The part of the story I remember is that you guys drove all the way up there. Their guy that was doing or their machine yeah. or whatever wasn't working. Yeah. And so, then like a week later, yeah. I signed up to do it and went to Brooklyn Park. Yeah.
0: So years ago, when you'd have to sign up for a Nexus card, you had to go to a Canadian border to do this. And Chad was covering the... Well, wild wasn't it the just Pi-
1: TSA PreCheck? No, no, I don't know it was, was Nexus.
0: No, it, Nexus comes with TSA PreCheck, okay. which is what made it really cool for us. But we wanted Nexus because of the number of times that we go into Canada and back. And uh, Chad, and it comes with global entry, too. So it's a big, you know, threesome. And uh, so anyway, so Chad was covering the wild for the Pioneer Press. I was covering the, the wild. For the Star Tribune. Um, this was Chad's first season. Like, really, we only knew each other for four months or something because he had, remember, he showed up at yeah, the trade it was, deadline. It was
1: right at, he was the, fo- it was for his second season yep. that you guys yep. were going to get exactly. this. Exactly.
0: So he th- shows up at the trade deadline. You know, we, we obviously got along a month and a half, two months getting to know each other. Then he was covering the twins for the Pioneer Press, like one July day. And he and I both got our Nexus uh, um, appointments at the Canadian border on the same morning. So he covered the twins game that night. I picked him up at the ballpark after he was done. So we're talking like midnight and now he and I have to drive overnight to war road because we have to be there for our 9am and nine 20 appointments respectively. It was, it, I was We drove, for some reason, the GPS sent us through like Grand Rapids. I'm like almost hitting deer left and right. I finally, I can't keep my eyes open. I say to Chad, I'm all right, we're going to pull over and just sort of rest for a little while because I wait for daylight so I could see these deer. He and I try to sleep in a McDonald's parking lot in my car in Grand Rapids. We barely know each other, so right away, that's just uncomfortable. Him in the passenger seat, me in the driver's seat. Finally, I'm just like, you know what? This is fruitless. So we get back in the car. We start driving. Um, he conks out immediately. We get up to War Road. Um, stop, I think, for breakfast. We go to the U.S. border. That's seamless. They sent us a mile up the road to the Canadian border. The reason why we have, you have to go to a Canadian border to do your Nexus card is because at the time they had to do like your iris scan into the machine for the first time. We get to the Canadian border and this guy in a Canadian accent goes, oh, our machine's broken. You could just do it next time you're in Canada. And Chad and I look at each other, and we're just like, wait a minute, what? We didn't even know that was an option, that next time we're in Ottawa or something, we can get our Nexus, uh, we could do our eyes, like, after we're already approved. So anyway, he and I now turn around. We're driving back. We're about an hour outside of Warroad. I get my approval of Nexus, and Chad... Like, we're hours into our drive, and Chad, if I'm re- remembering correctly, never got any sort of, like, confirmation email and something was screwy with his application. So he and I basically drove to Warroad for zero reason. Right. Because I still had to, when next time I was in Canada, get my iris done, and his
1: just didn't take. And But what I remember is you guys went and did this, and it was within, like, a month yeah. that I decided, yeah, it's worth it. I'll, I'll look into it just to see. And I went online, and it was... Yeah, you can do it in Brooklyn Park. Yeah, <laughs> so I drove to Brooklyn Park and yeah. got mine done in like ten minutes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so welcome to Worst
0: Seats in the House. This is our first podcast since both Anthony and I were in Europe. Um, so Anthony flies home and, according to social media, uh, goes immediately to uh, Logger's Run to play uh, Logger's Trail to play golf immediately you're a maniac i did After i know you didn't sleep the night before because peter or, or if you listen to last show <laughs> our Austrian tour guide was uh whatsapping me while i was still in europe saying yeah anthony and i put the you know the town to sleep at 3 a.m and you had to be on the bus
1: at like 3 30 yeah. yeah it was we had a great last night actually it was it was Peter, our Austrian guide, Michael Kenny, our tour guide, and then my daughter Gianni and her boyfriend Zach. And we wound up. Were you still with us when we did the tour of no, the bunker? No, that's why underneath I went to bed early,
0: because I, when I finally got back to the hotel or whatever, I don't remember. I'd come down to the bar and nobody's there anymore, like four or five people, and I'm just like,
1: yeah, we, it, we, we were in the bar, and then Ricard, the guy that was there when we checked in, yeah, the guy with the big him. Czech accent, he gave us a tour of a Warsaw Pact era bunker that happened to be built underneath our hotel, <laughs> like for like 150 people to survive. Like the tunnels were still there that went to the other buildings in town so they could get other dignitaries in there. All of this in advance of a potential World War III, which thankfully never happened. But so we got this great tour. We come back upstairs, and they say, well, the bar's closed. And we had already bought a bottle of wine, Michael Kenny and I had, and it's sitting on the counter. We said, well, we already bought the wine. So they said, well, here, we'll give you some glasses, but you have to go out on the sidewalk to drink it. So, all right, we go out on the sidewalk with their wine glasses and our wine bottle that they opened for us sat on the street and visited for a while, got into a little bit of a European history conversation with Ricard on the Czech side and Peter on the Austrian side, which was entertaining. And then we wound up going down the street to another bar because we thought, well, the bus leaves at 345. Why would we go to bed at like midnight and get any sleep? (laughs) So we decided that we went down the street, hung out at this bar for a while, and then we did. We got back to the hotel. I got back in my room about 230 and set the alarm for 3.12 and slept for 45 <coughs> minutes. And But then we got on the bus, so I slept the whole way home. And when I got home, went to Logger's Trail to hit some balls, went to the gym, went to the grocery store, and and made Sunday dinner. It was a great wow. – it was Unreal. very quickly readjusted Well, that to, is the way
0: they have to do it because it's funny because I um, stayed two extra days, and I'll talk to people about what I was doing in uh, – in, in, uh, my two extra days here, I went. And if you saw me on social media, I visited with Marco Rossi for a couple of days. Um, so I did that. I stupidly so I had to go to a wedding in Newport, Rhode Island. Instead of flying just to Boston from Zurich, I decided to fly back to Minnesota. I land at 10 p.m. I go home. I repack, do laundry. I have an 8 a.m. flight to Boston next morning. I go to Bo- I go to Cape Cod. Took forever. Um, Visited with uh, G- uh, Judd Brackett and his brother uh, Griffin. Actually, Jared is his brother's real name. Nicknamed Griffin at their restaurant, The Port. Wait till I tell you about this restaurant, Anthony. Like Wild have a day, a matinee game in Boston. We got to figure out a way for you got for them to spend the night in Boston and not fly right to Montreal because we got to go to the Port that night. It was the most amazing meal. Um, so anyway, so we do that, and then I, I drove to uh, New Bedford that night, which was a cool old whaling town in Massachusetts, and the next day I drove down to Newport for a uh, wedding. Obviously, we've all been to weddings before, not a lot of sleep. I came home, I land at 5 o'clock yesterday, I got in bed at 6.40 p.m., and you know me, I don't sleep. 6.40 p.m., I woke up at 6.40 this morning, 12 hours straight of sleeping. <laughs> and that it was me getting back on, like, yeah, normal. I, although
1: we did find out that the part of the reason you didn't sleep when you were in Europe is because you were like still falling asleep in the middle of the day every day and taking well, a
0: nap. Yeah, so the the big deal, the, the, the problem that I had in Europe is – At night, when we're supposed to be sleeping, it was day back here, and I just couldn't relax because the wild still had to make a move. So I'm constantly – would never put my ringer off, so I'm constantly just, you know, getting woken up by notifications and text messages and all that. So really, the only time that I felt relaxed while we were in Europe were those, like, 7 a.m. to, like, 2 p.m., 3 p.m. times that we were in Europe, but we were doing stuff – because it was nighttime back here. I knew that Garen couldn't do anything. So like it was, it was not a lot of sleep for me in Europe. Uh, a lot of sleeping on the buses and things like that. So, um, but real fun, uh, fun trip. We're going to talk about more what I do with Marco Rossi and Judd Brackett in a little while. Uh, just so you know, so, uh, uh last week on the podcast, we teased some dates with the dates are right, but we're probably revamping a couple things. So this is still not etched in stone. So, uh, follow Anthony and I on social media for the full schedule and the next week's the next podcast will have the confirmed. But the one thing that is confirmed is August 8th, 7 PM at Tuttle's is our next, live show. We're going to do three live shows in August. Again, August 8th at Tuttle's at 7 p.m. And then we are thinking um, now August 24th, which we originally said was going to be at Kowalski's in Shoreview. It's now going to be at Elsie's. So August 24th, we think 7 p.m. at Elsie's. And now our Kowalski show, we're moving to the date that Elsie's was originally at, August 29th, Kowalski's, but not sure of you, the one in Uptown, which will be really neat because they got all the big picnic tables and we're going to do a real cool live show there. So August 8th, Tuttle's, August 24th, Elsie's, August 29th, Kowalski's, the last two still need to be 100% etched in stone, so pay attention to social media for that. Thanks as always to our sponsors. Um, really, Anthony, since the last show that we've done, The Wild, still have not done anything. We're all on but pins and needles with
1: notifications on all week just in case. Yeah, trust me uh um it, it was uh
0: yeah a lot of stressful of stressful like nights of just
1: of nothing nothing right. I mean, it's just uh which and is kinda, really, which was been, really funny as we were talking to some of the people on the trip when we when we start out the trip and i said yeah you'll realize by the end of the trip that there's one guy that probably worries about everything and then a whole bunch of stuff he shouldn't worry about and another guy who doesn't worry about much and probably even a few things he should worry about yeah. and well, I
0: always joke about these trips, to, and this is no offense to you, and this is actually a self-deprecating thing, but it's going to come across probably as rude to you, Anthony, is that I think a lot of the new people that come on these trips don't know a lot about you, but feel they know everything about me. And when they come back from these trips, they think a lot less of me and a lot more of you. <laughs> because when you're on these trips, you are a showman. You are willing to, you know, you. you it's just your personality, too. Like, people think I'm this, like, g- giant outgoing person because of the, the social media and all that stuff and podcast. But the reality is, is that I'm pretty guarded and I, I, I actually don't love talking about hockey. Um, and so like, but you are willing to talk about everything and be a, be a showman there. And, you know, you're the one giving the speeches at dinners and things like that. And I'm just sitting there like nodding along, you know, you did the opening night, like chat the ending night I'm just like yep 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 what he said uh so I I always joke that people like they they lose a lot of respect for me but they gain a ton for you because they they lose
1: respect but they do they do uh, but over the course of the trip they're like what what's Russo doing now and it's like well, he's worried because somebody could be making a trade somewhere in the NHL, and yeah. I am right now in Prague and couldn't yeah. care any less. Well, there was, Who gets a, there was
0: a, bit, a couple big stories that broke while we were in Europe that that I played a part in us as the athletic breaking it, but it but it wound up being something that I was helping others with. Um, so yeah, so at least I felt like I was doing something. But, but it was I, yeah, just, I'm yeah. not saying that what yeah. you're
1: doing is incredible work. I'm just saying I have no problem. Detaching from what's happening in America, we—I'd have people at breakfast every day. Yeah, did you see what happened in the Twins game last night? And I'm like, no, I didn't. And <laughs> I've got—I I don't have to do a Twins game until Friday night in San Diego, so I'll worry about it when we get home to the states. And up until then. I have no problem just ignoring anything that's happening anywhere else in the world.
0: So I mentioned, uh, so, uh, everybody left, uh, Europe, um, on that last night and I actually got on a flight, uh, about, I was able to sleep in a bit, um, took an Uber to Prague airport, flew down to Zurich. Um, Michael Rossi, uh, Marco's dad picked me up at the airport, took an hour and a half for a Swiss air to get my bag to me, by the way. And Michael Rossi just sat there waiting with me. Didn't complain one iota, um, get in the car with Michael, and we drive up to Dornburn, Austria. And what was really neat about this is that I got to sort of be in the car on the route that Marco and Michael took for several years from 4 p.m. to midnight every single day before Michael had to go to work the next day and Marco had to go to school. And anyway, so we go to Dornburn. I check into a four-point Sheridan that might be the one of the nicest European hotels I've ever stayed in. I couldn't believe it because, you know, you just kind of think of that brand of Sheridan as not being like, you know, super high-end, incredible hotel. Um, I kind of rest up for three, four hours, and then they pick me up, and we go to my, Marco's house, his childhood home. I go into their incredible little cool backyard, and his two sisters, one of his sister's boyfriends, his parents, and their French bulldog— Named and of course I forgot right now. With wearing a wild collar, and Marco's girlfriend are back there, and we sat out there for an hour drinking wine, coffee, having an interview. It was really neat. From there, the sisters, uh, you know, reside themselves, and Marco's girlfriend, me, and his parents go to this incredible outdoor restaurant, this like Austrian restaurant under this canopy that was very like the place that we went in Vienna had an authentic meal, and then the parents you know, sort of resided themselves. A, we hired a photographer, the athletic, and now Marco, his girlfriend, Stephanie, and me and the photographer just go on a tour around town of, his, of the basilica that he goes to every Sunday. His childhood, um, you know, places that he hung out, coffee shops, uh, the schools, all that stuff. And then Marco drives me on the Autobahn back to my hotel. At one point, I am look at the speedometer and he's going like 190 kilometers an hour. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I kind of quickly in my silently Google, what is 199? <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, we're going at like 110 miles an hour right now. And you would have never known it. Like, you know, if I hadn't had looked, I thought we were going like 60 miles an hour. Because everybody else is going the yeah, same yeah, speed. Yeah, and it's so just, you're... I don't know if it's the way the cars are built. Like he was driving this Audi that just felt super smooth. And it was just awesome. And anyway, he drops me off at my hotel. Next morning, he picks me up to the hotel. I go to practice with him, his hockey school, his skate, his workout, all that stuff. And then when I was done there, his dad then drove me to a train station. I took a train back to Zurich and spent the night in Zurich um, before flying home the next day. And I'm telling you this story. Uh, when I sit down and write it, I'm going to do a Jet Brackett story first, which I'll tell everybody about in a second. But that is story. there's solely hilarious stories about Marco's childhood that I was able to gather just being in this little town of 12,000 where he grew up, um, you know, in his, in his house, like he, his childhood bedroom. So on week, weekdays, he lives with his girlfriend in Dornburn on weekends. He lives at his childhood home with his girlfriend at his childhood home with his parents in Rank Wheel. and his, his, childhood bedroom he still he still lives in on the weekends it's a twin bed he's got you tell just- me it's like a
1: racing car bed or no, something it, I'm gonna- I mean it,
0: well he's big in f1 now so it might as well be but all over his walls are posters and jerseys it's like a kid's bedroom you know it's just it was pretty neat so we have a ton of awesome pictures and I just think the timing of it is perfect obviously because you and I both know
1: Marco's gonna be a very important player this yeah year that's what I was while. just gonna ask you is I'd be curious to know what his thoughts are. There's been so much talk about can he be the guy that at least bites off a big chunk of replacing Kevin mm-hmm. Fiala offensively, and part of it is the likely role, the likely line. What does he think? Does he think that he's in a spot where does he feel pressure that he has
0: it's to funny. replace that? He says he does not want to think about it. He will not think about it. He said that, Joe, that Bill Guerin sat him down and told him this job is here for you, But you've got to grab it. I'm not giving it to you. And that is his entire focus this summer is to not be Kevin to just come in, win a job. Um, He told his dad. His dad is very close to him, and there, you know, it's his best. Like you, Michael Rossi will tell you, Marco is his best friend. Marco, right in front of me, told his dad, "You're not coming to Minnesota until late November. Like, you know, I am focusing completely on hockey in September, October, November, and I am that is my only focus. I don't want any distractions, nothing. Um, But he does not want to think of that pressure. He's going to completely stay off social media this um, this um, training camp. Not to look at mentions and things like that. Because he, he does not want people to just say that he is Kevin Fiala. If he's not up to par right at the very beginning, not getting two, three points a game and on pace for 85 points like Fiala, he doesn't want people just doing that. He just wants to have develop a chemistry with Boldy, which is who I think he has been essentially told, like this is who we're aiming to put you with, and he just wants to create, um, you know, turn himself into a heck of a player. So uh, we'll talk. Um, you, you, it'll be a really cool story in the Athletics sometime before, probably uh, mid-month. I would say Um, and uh, first up uh, tomorrow I'm gonna be writing the uh, Judd Brackett story which I'll tell you about in a little bit but tell us about Kowalski's Anthony
1: well as you mentioned earlier we've got a live show coming up we think it's going to be right at the end of August I'm looking forward to it a chance to grill some steaks and and share those with the people because you won't be disappointed these steaks are terrific the Akaushi line is my favorite but they also have this new 40-day aged USDA prime line that is outstanding you won't be disappointed I often go there without a specific plan in mind and then it's just whichever ones look the best in the meat cooler each night that's what we decide to go with and the most recent one we went with some fillets that were just off the charts terrific so anytime that you're looking for high quality steaks kowalski's is the best place to go anytime you're entertaining or just having a great meal start out with the best ingredients kowalski's is the place to go and here's a word from bosch law firm Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who'll be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee, unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com.
0: Well, it's that time of year again, hot, humid weather in the summer, and that means we all need to stay hydrated during these hot summer months. Well, I got drinking water from my Connecticut K5 drinking water system. It provides refreshing, high-quality drinking water right from our sink and refrigerated. The Connecticut drinking water system is the most advanced reverse osmosis system ever, removing more contaminants than any other system and can produce more than 40 gallons a day of water. My recommendation, ask my friends over at Aquarius Home Services, Connecticut, for a free water analysis or just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you back here at Worst Seats in the House, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Um, Anthony, Thomas uh, wants to know, any bugs still in your house from my last visit?
1: No, the bugs have been killed, although there was another night where apparently they were hanging out in the solarium and and I went to let the dogs out. The solarium was closed, but apparently there were a several flies that had made their way in there. I don't know if it had to do with the day you left the door open or not, but they were... Let's just say that I I left the, the patio door open to the solarium because the dogs wanted to hang out in there, and when Margo came home, she yelled at me for a few minutes about the fact that I should have known there were a bunch of flies in the solarium still. So we wound up with a couple dozen in the house that every time I heard the whack of the fly swatter and Margot giving me an updated count on Mm -hmm. how many she had killed. So at least you didn't have that. You didn't get every single time, whack! That's fourteen. <laughs> so, uh,
0: which really, you know, one of the coolest. Uh, we had a lot of really cool experiences in Europe, but one of the funniest ones was one of our final nights. We're on a boat in Prague doing a river cruise, and Anthony and Margot, in their house, they have a they have a video system that keeps an eyes on their dogs in the laundry room. And Phil, their youngest of their two dogs, figured out a way to escape from the from the thing. Tell her, I mean, it is it's the most hilarious yeah. videos of of Phil constantly sneaking in and out of this yeah, area. Right. The
1: first time he just he found his way out, and it was a so. There's a camera. It's called a Furbo camera, and. Through the Furbo camera, Margot can actually talk to the dogs, and every once in a while, she can like spit a treat out of the thing. So I, I think Stanley understands that there has this white contraption on the shelf has something to do with communication with the rest of the family. Yeah. So on this camera, you see Phil pawing and pushing at the bottom part of the gate, and all of a sudden, he gets it pushed away from the wall far enough so he can escape, and out he goes. And immediately, Stanley just turns around and looks up at the camera like, are you guys seeing this? Yeah. <laughs> and and Stanley couldn't fit. So that day, Phil just left, and we, the next camera update we get is when Ariana came home that night and let Stanley out. So then the next day, Phil now knows that if he paws at the bottom of this thing that he can escape, but he would escape, and then every once in a while just come back. Stanley's can't, he doesn't think he can fit through, so he just stays in the laundry room. And every once in a while in this video, because Margo gets notified anytime there's like movement mm-hmm. in the room, and then you'll see, hey, all of a sudden, Phil just popped back in to say hi for a while, sits on his chair that he usually sits on, and then phew, next time we see the video, it's Phil leaving again. And the whole time, Stanley's just laying in his bed because either, I mean, number one, he knows he's not supposed to leave, but number two, he, he's not confident he can fit through the, the little gap. But Phil's been an escape artist his whole life, when he was a puppy, we had this cage that was collapsible, so you could make it as big or as small as you wanted. Mm-hmm. And when we were going to be gone all day, instead of having it be just a little square, we would put it underneath our kitchen table so that at least Phil would have the that much room to move around under the kitchen table. There was a gap from the bottom of the table to the top of this fence that, I don't know what it was. It was maybe four inches. And the fence was like... I don't know, what whatever table height is minus four inches high. So it's not, it wasn't like a four-inch fence. I mean, it was like a two-foot fence. Mm-hmm. Somehow Phil got out. To this day, we still don't know how he got out because all of a sudden we came home and Phil greets us at the door. Like, you are you were in, in a cage underneath the kitchen table. How did, I mean, I don't know how he didn't hang himself on the fence. God. We still don't know how he got out. But so... Number one, we're convinced this is why he's concussed and probably a little handicapped because we think he banged into all kinds of stuff or fell on his head a few times. But he always was able to escape, which is amazing. Yeah, he's a smart dog other than the time they almost choked on a turtle.
0: Um, so... uh here's a good question that brings me to my segue, to Judd Brackett, Judd Brackett. Uh, this is little Grez 89. Judd Brackett gets a lot of credit for the draft, but I'm curious if he has had much say in hiring, firing scouts. Has there been much turnover in that department from Fenton? There's been a ton of turnover since Fenton. And actually a big part of this Judd Brackett story I'm doing is Bill Guerin, essentially saying he didn't say it, but I'll just say it. He's not going to go the way that Jim bent that, you know, the big divide between Jim Benning and Judd Brackett. One of them was the fact that, that, um, you know, Judd, really didn't have control of that department you know it was weird judd was promoted to take over for their director of amateur scouting who instead of getting fired got demoted and had to work under judd bracket but all that guy's scouts stayed on so it was really weird uh like di- you know uh, really weird situation there where basically um uh, Bill Guerin has given Judd Brackett total autonomy of the staff and he has really re- rebuilt the staff. There's only a couple holdovers. holdovers. Um, you know, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Hamill, uh, Brian Hunter, like, you know, a lot of really quality scouts still on staff from before, but but a whole uh, bunch of new ones um, on staff as well. Um, and, and include, you know, the other big thing um, that that. Judd Brackett got permission from Bill Guerin, and Bill talks about this in the story, is that he basically allowed him uh, total autonomy and feels like this is his department, he could pick who he wants, things like that, and that he's not getting involved. And then, um, and then the other big thing is Dan Palango, who's been his longtime right-hand man in Vancouver, Bill Guerin gave him permission to bring on here.
1: Well, and I think you always have to have that, because, and, and I've always said, it doesn't matter what people's titles are. Mm-hmm. If you're the guy... There are going to be people whose opinion you trust, and whether that be the general manager and who he attru- who he trusts when it comes to their opinions on things, whether their title is assistant GM or consultant or friend of the GM, I mean, it doesn't make any difference what the title is. And the same is true for the director of scouting. I mean, whatever you, you know, you want to be able to hire these guys because you can't just count on guys to give you information, but... Those guys are going to trust who they trust, and so if you force them, hey, this guy's already here; he's under contract or just employed by us, where we're paying him. I want you to listen to him. Well, nobody's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, they're going—they want to listen to the guys that they have a some confidence in what they say and and know that not that you want guys that just agree with you, but you want guys that when he tells me this guy can do this or can't do this, I know what he means. And I know that he has a standard that's close to mine. Yeah,
0: no doubt. Um, And what's really cool is this World Junior is coming up. I mean, we're going to start to see the fruits of all the Wild's labors. They have nine guys in the World Junior tournament in August. And what's crazy is the Wild conceivably could have 12 guys. If, if the Russia was were in playing, it, right. who's not Dinoff and Yurov? But then also Novak, unfortunately, is, is in a battle right now with cancer. So those would have been three others, but the other nine are, are Faber, Peart, Lambos, Hunt, O'Rourke, um, Wallstadt, Ogren. Yaroslavchik, sorry, David Spachik, uh, Yaroslavchik's his dad, and Petrovsky. So uh, the Wild are going to have nine guys, and then remember, in the 2023 tournament coming up in the in December, there, a lot of those guys are going to be back, and then Hunter Hate has a chance as well. By the way, Marco Rossi, I asked him who was the one guy that most that you knew nothing about, the most um, you know impressed you at development camp. And he said, "Hunter hate." So this Hunter hate guy—he was was yeah. I I had
1: no idea. I had to go find a roster to look at him to find out who he was. Watching his hands in close quarters and everything, but isn't it amazing? Was it two years ago or three? That the wild had nobody in the world yeah. junior tournament. Yeah, yeah. And now look at the difference. Yeah,
0: no, it's been a uh, uh, quite the turnaround. Um, so uh, I, I, I drove out to Cape Cod the other day. I passed Weymouth, Massachusetts, and got in touch with Charlie Coyle. So that was fun. Um, and then I uh, wound up at, at the port in uh New in uh Horwich, uh, Massachusetts. It's called Harwich Port, excuse me. And uh, so the restaurant is called the Port. Uh, Judd Brackett and his brother own two restaurants there. One is called Ember. It's a, it's a pizza and wings place. And on Friday and Saturday nights, by the way, this place is banana. But I was bananas. But I was on a there on a Wednesday night, and all across the the port the the street there, the main street, they have like they have all this live music, and it is just crazy down there. So in this restaurant we sit down and it is as cool as you could be like a high end seafood steak but really casual type thing and then we just went to town i mean we're, we're talking lobster rolls and and tuna tartare and um, there's crab no way cakes. you ate tuna tartare i did i did um, I, had a, than, I had more than more than like a half set. a forkful yeah no yeah not a ton but i i like tuna tartare the crab cakes took a little getting used to I'm not big into crab cakes, but it was great there. They have lobster rolls. Um, we ordered Camus wine. Um, I had a bunch of white, it was just, it was a really cool night. Wound up sitting with Judd and his brother for four hours. So this, uh, I did have done already most of the transcription. I will finish the rest on Monday morning, and then hopefully I will bang out this story really cool. But the story is not just on the Wilds Prospect Pool, it's on Judd. Judd's a fascinating guy. He has four kids, he runs two restaurants, and he has built the top prospect pool in the National Hockey League. Um, it's pretty good timing to write a feature about Judd he started as a sports writer from McKeon's magazine and suddenly realized, you know what? I don't want to be a freaking ink stained wretch. I want to actually, uh, scout guys. And he slowly worked his way up in juniors, won a couple Clark cups in Indiana. Um, next thing you know, he's working for the Vancouver Canucks under Mike Gillis. And he was there for a long, long time. And then obviously, uh, had the falling out with Jim Benning, became a free agent and ju- and, uh, Bill Guerin swooped him up. Um, and this was his third draft first time he's ever actually been on stage where he actually announced a first-round pick, and that was Danilo, you're off. So um, it's going to be a really cool guy, fascinating guy, Um, and I think everybody's going to love this feature, but it it is going to be a lot on his restaurant too because, uh, as you know, Anthony, I'm always fascinated by restaurants in general and how people run them, and this place is just such a neat, cool place. It's become a family affair. So his brother and his brother's son live above the restaurant his brother's son is hunter is a bartender there and then one of judd's daughters works the outside like as a hostess and then one of and then judd's son his youngest i think it's his youngest son who is a runner at the draft table in montreal he is a busboy there as well so it's
1: like whole family affair too that sounds awesome i'll look forward to 250
0: employees between the
1: two restaurants
0: hmm not crazy.
1: It is crazy. Yeah. But I think the crazier part is that if he actually got you to try some of this seafood, no, he did. It's, that's the amazing part yeah. because that's not easy to do. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point. Um, if you're thinking about selling
0: your home, now is the time. This is Russo, and now you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindell Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindell today. Go to ChrisLindell.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all cash offer on your home today no obligation the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free that means no showings no open houses no stress i wish they had this when my condo was for sale because i had a lot of people come sell it come look at it and they were able to sell that and that was an unsellable condo in my opinion so just choose when you want to move and you will close with confidence this chris Lindahl real estate guaranteed offer keeps you in control it's that simple go to chrislindal.com to get a guaranteed offer in your home today and you could start packing now certain restrictions Apply, and here's a word from Royal Credit Union.
1: Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royals checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with the Royals mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in
0: seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at
1: rcu.org slash Royal Challenge, insured by
0: NCUA. Last segment of Worst Seats in the House, Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta. Anthony working the Padres game. He has to be on the air in the eighth inning. Luckily, the sixth inning has taken about an hour, so uh, <laughs> that's allowed us to
1: have a— This is the way it works. We're yeah. just, this is our normal deal. We know that if it's a 3 o'clock game, the joke is that that means that we'll have about a 7 o'clock postgame show. Yeah. We'll, it's just the way it works this year.
0: All right, let's go to Twitter questions. Amir goes, recently you complained about the quality of your coffee on your flight. What is the best cup of coffee either of you have ever drank in your lives? So uh, so what happened is the other – like normally I like Starbucks on a plane, but I don't know if they didn't clean the pot, the water, if they took the water from the freaking lavatory, what? I was on a flight to Boston the other day. It was wretched, wretched. Oh, had to complain about it. That's when you knew that I was back on the States and, yeah, and back in the Yeah, I my, don't –
1: you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember – I did have coffee on those flights, but I I very rarely drink coffee on the plane. Even on our charters, every once in a while, I guess, I'd maybe ask for a cup of coffee. But most of the time, if I can't bring one with me on the plane, then I just don't bother. I'll stick Mm -hmm. with tea or something because I've never had great luck with that coffee. But in terms of the best one, for me, it... It might have been any cup of coffee we had in any little cafe when we were yep. in Italy, because every single one you walked down the street and it, it, you felt like you couldn't walk past one. because mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to have a double espresso. And every one of them was yeah. terrific.
0: Yeah. There were about six different places in Europe on this trip. That I'm like, this is the best coffee I've ever had. And,
1: and uh, it was pretty, uh, you know what they don't That's know? You... The, the scene from Elf where he's like, do you cover your eyes? You want to taste this? Yeah. What is that? Tastes like a rotten cup of coffee. Yeah. And he said, no, it's the world's best cup of coffee. If you know Anthony
0: also, like you, now he's drinking like a, a, what is that, a cold brew with coconut milk, foam, and cinnamon powder. Normally, though, he just drinks it black. I just drink it black. So we were a couple places in Europe, and and it took a while for me to realize that this is just the way that things are in Europe. If you order an iced coffee in Europe, they put ice cream in it. It was and like so, a root beer float. Yeah, you brought so I, to I me got me you. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm going to get us a couple of iced coffees. We're on like top of a mountain. And it was hot. In so, Indiana. Yeah, iced so coffee seemed like I br- a good I idea. bring you this thing, and it is like ice cream, whipped cream, it's like a banana ice. split. Yeah, and
1: you look at me, and you're like, are you kidding? I'm like, just drink it. <laughs> I took a couple sips. I put the straw, because in the middle of the coffee was like on top of ice cream and below whipped cream. So I took a straw and drank that, and then I brought it over to Gianni. I said, here, you guys want a little pre-dinner Sunday.
0: Yeah. It was uh, at one point, Anthony's like, do you care if I throw this out? Like <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was funny. Um, that was a cool, that was a great night. That, that dinner that we had at the uh, it was. other than me getting stung by yellow jackets. Johnson from Wisconsin goes, I would like to see Kulikov move now and Dumba at the deadline. When does a player have to give GM uh, Bill Guerin their no trade team list? Well, I don't think Kulikov has any protection. If he does, that was a mistake. Um, in f- terms of Dombey's 10-team list, uh, that had to be turned in usually uh, the first day of free, the free agency, which this year would have been July 13th. And let me double check on Kulikov. Um, so I did talk to Bill Guerin the other day just for a stateside update because I had been... Um, oh, wow. Kulikov does have a modified no trade. Um, how'd that happen, Anthony. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure. Do you know what the modifications
0: are? Um, Eight-team, no trade list. So eight teams. So anyway, um, so I did talk to Garen the other day. Uh, Right now, like, he's not closing the door on signing a free agent. He said he might have to if um, he doesn't uh, make a trade, but he's continuing working the trade uh, phones. Is going to be patient with it. Try to get the guy that he wants. Uh, we'll see if he's got something up his sleeve. I asked him point blank, which somebody did ask me, I think on Twitter. Question is, would it, would it be smart for him to go in the camp, not sign anybody, and maybe leave a door open for a minor league like Adam Beckman and Mitchell Chafee And he said he's ap- absolutely willing to do that. But he said for a guy like Beckman, he would not want Beckman to be the twelfth forward or the thirteenth forward. So, um, you know, I. But Beckman to me, like if Greenway is not ready to start the season, Beckman's got a chance to make the team at least out. Of camp, I think he does. that be? A, I mean, I, I don't. The way the Wild runs that line, it's not a, your typical third line. So
1: Beckman, and we saw, didn't Beckman play on that line in Pittsburgh? I'm almost. He pe- may have. He I remember he was on the ice at the end of the game for the six on five. Yeah. Picked up an assist from behind the net yep. on the game tying goal. I don't remember what his line was that night, but I I think. As much as he, the season might have been a disappointment after how good his camp was in that I think after camp, a lot of us would have expected that at some point during the season, we would see him in a more regular, not regular role, but might see him more regularly when injuries or illness or whatever created an opening and we didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if this year we see more of him in the NHL, wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Tony Hoagland,
0: uh, who uh, is our State Farm agent, uh, used to sponsor this podcast as well. He is my State Farm agent still. Um, Tony asks, how much of an impact will Marc-Andre Fleury ha- or have around Street? Uh, with the kids development, was that a driving factor in bringing Marc-Andre Fleury back for two years? Um, well, I mean, we don't even know if Wallstead's going to be on the team in the next two years, so they're not going to spend a lot of time together. And the way the Wild do training camp, Mar- Jesper Wallstead won't be in the Wild's locker room and training camp. He'll be in the minor league locker room. So I don't think that was that. In terms of the driving factor, Mark andre Fleury for two years, this was actually a Marc-Andre Fleury wish. Um He's, he doesn't want to move his family. If he does well here and likes it here, he wants to stay here. He doesn't want to move. But why the two years works for the wild is that if Marc-Andre Fleury decides, you know what, I'm not up to snuff anymore. I'm retiring after a year um, in the old. CBA, if you sign somebody that was over over 35 to a multi-year deal and he retired prematurely, you get hit with his cap hit. Now that is gone in this CBA. So Marc-Andre Fleury could retire after this year, and the wild will get completely out of the cap hit. So that that was a Marc-Andre Fleury wish, was like, all right, give me two years so I don't have to move my family and worry about being traded at the deadline – But um, if I'm not doing well, I'll just retire and I'll get you off the hook. So that was sort of why that all happened. Um, Gene Parmesan, don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, seems all the prospect writers still love Kalen Addison with him coming off a decent season in Iowa. What does he have to prove to management to stick to this roster, Anthony?
1: I think that might be one of the more interesting questions. And the way the Wild tried to rebuild their defensive core with the acquisition of Jake Middleton was clearly to get bigger and stronger. And they just had too many guys that were the smaller Mm -hmm. skating style defensemen. And Addison, that's all he's going to be. It's what he is. Mm -hmm. So I think the The question really becomes: Does his future and does a spot open up for him with the Minnesota Wild, or will it be somewhere else? And I just don't see a path to a regular lineup spot with Minnesota with the way the defensive core is currently structured. I think he's gonna,
0: you know, obviously if he comes in this year is unbelievable. They're gonna figure out a way to keep him, but I think he's gonna eventually be trade bait because I just don't see a future lineup. Say Dumba is traded, or they just let him go. I don't. Can you see the Wild rolling out Jared Spurgeon, Brock Faber, and Kalen Addison, two under six foot basically defensemen on the right side for a long time? I just don't see it. I
1: I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I mean, you certainly have room for a couple skating defensemen. There's no question about that. And and I really liked Addison's game last year. I thought when he got a little bit of a glimpse of regular playing time. He seemed to get better and better and better and more and more comfortable each and every night mm-hmm. and defended well. So I just I don't think in any way, shape, or form the Wild have changed their opinion on whether or not he can play in the NHL. It's just a question of how does he fit into this defensive core. And he seems to be a commodity that might have some value for other teams who are coveting a puck-moving, power play-type guy, a skating defenseman, where Minnesota already has a few of those guys. So that's why I say I just I don't know how he fits into this core. It doesn't have anything to do with his ability to play in the NHL. It's just with the way the defensemen are the current group is built. I'm, I just don't... I don't see how he's in the top six on a regular basis. Yeah,
0: Zach Ellard asks, "Who's the dark hearts for you to make the opening night roster?" Well, if Merrill's not ready, I think Addison makes the team because the other thing is that their power play sucked last year, and I think that you can want if you're gonna, you know, you're gonna want guys like Addison and Rossi on the power play this year and get some personnel changes. And I can't wait till we're in training camp and we get to talk to Dean Evason and the assistant coaches about some of the tweaks that they made on the power play because that's the one thing that they vowed. The other guy, you know, again, if the Wild don't acquire another player. I think one dark horse to make the team would be a Mitchell Chafee because he had a really good year in Iowa. They brought him up uh, one or once or twice and maybe you know he's the type of guy that you would be willing to play in a 13th uh, forward role because uh, you know I don't think anybody looks at him as a true top prospect for this team so that you know he's somebody that you could put in and out of the lineup and um, and maybe he would be okay making an NHL salary and every now and then sitting in the press box. Uh, Connor Durer, I think, obviously will make the team. I don't know if that's considered a dark horse, but on a one-way contract, usually when you're given a one-way contract, uh, that is dark, 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 That is uh, somebody that uh, you're going to put on the team. Robert Olson asks, what would be your jersey number if you played in the National Hockey League, Anthony? I think mine would be 12 or 33 has always been one of my favorite numbers.
1: Well, 29 has always been my favorite number. I've... Tim Wallach? Nope, Rod Carew. And <laughs> Carew was twenty nine when I was growing up. He was my favorite player. So I've been I've worn twenty nine any time it was possible and in fact, even in football, I couldn't wear 29. We didn't have it. So I wore 92, but it mm-hmm. was 29 would be my choice.
0: Um, by the way, wave at me when we have to wrap this up so you can get back into your wardrobe for the eighth inning here. Um, <laughs> Zach Brickner asks uh, Do either of you have Ryan Souter stories? Was he nice to the media? I can't believe when you said that at first, ability G only wanted to buy him out. So that, uh, no, it was bad. Um, you know, I mean, it was, it, you know, I think Anthony and I got along with him incredibly well um, you know I know Anthony's one of his favorite stories was hanging out with him at a Starbucks in Buffalo uh, the night that, that no, he was in playing. the hotel
1: restaurant oh, okay. the
0: night he got scratched
1: I did have a great well, was, chat yeah he was suspended he, he was suspended right yep, blamed and me so we sat and had lunch together that day and chatted for a couple hours and I did have a, you and I got along with him really well I, I mean, absolutely you know, I mean, and I enjoyed our conversations and our debates and you had a lot we, of debates we did have we did have a fair number of debates one of those was in a starbucks in nashville one day that was that was really interesting but it also it was they were debates but they were I, they were exchanges of ideas sometimes too that were interesting and you know I, so i got along great with him and in fact i had a great chat with him this year when he came back for the first time and and stood in the hallway between the locker rooms in the morning and chatted with him and you know that's i always i always enjoyed the time with him
0: yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, with me, I mean, look, uh, um, covering, covering players, you need to have relationships with them. And I feel like, uh, I had a really good relationship with Ryan while he was here. Um, you know, really accessible guy, a lot of, Phone conversations, in person conversations. Uh, one of my favorite stories I did was before he was in the All-Star game one year, and I went out to uh, a rink in a in a dinah, and I think it was Minnesota made, and and uh, sat with him while he was watching his son uh, Brooks play hockey, and did a big family story there, and so um, you know did a did a bunch of cool stories around. Ryan. So um, anyway. Um, <clears throat> Zach also asks, if Patty Kane isn't on the Hawks, what would be your ideal realistic landing spot? I hate the Hawks, but we need Showtime back in the playoffs. I say the Rangers, get him with Panarin and out of the West. I think the Rangers are the team that makes the most sense. Uh, Bill Flesh asks, um, who, is, who should be most excited to watch? Who should we be most excited to watch down in Iowa this year? I, I would say Wallstadt would be somebody that I'd, I'd be a, excited to watch. Um, it's unfortunate what's going on with Novak. I was excited. I, I really wanted to see him down there. But, I mean, O'Rourke's going to be down there. Damon Hunt's going to be down there. Simon Johansson's going to be down there. But I think Wallstadt's the
1: one guy. I right? think Wallstadt is the guy because he might play the most important role in the future of the franchise. All those defensemen will be interesting to watch how they develop. If Addison were to start down there, I think he'd be interesting to watch. Beckman, for sure. But it's the, I think Walstead is a guy that he might have as big an impact on the future of the Minnesota Wild as any one player that's in their system, not on the NHL roster right now.
0: Uh, Luke asks, uh, with the cap restra- constraints and loss of Fiala's points, what is your realistic expectation of this upcoming season? Billy in the Wild will say a cup, but what do you think is really
1: realistic, Anthony? For the Wild as a team, I think they're a playoff team, and I think some things would have to break right for them to be among the top couple in the West, and they'd have to have some, some things that really broke the right way. They'd have to have some fortune with health. They might have to have some bad fortune for other teams. I don't think that coming into the season, it would be fair to look at them and say that they're a at the same level as Colorado, for example. But I do think they're a playoff team, and I, I just don't, after, especially after what happened last year, I think it's hard to ever look at them and just flatly bet against them and say that they're not as good as these teams because they had something special last year, and I don't see any reason why you couldn't have something special again this year.
0: Pete Bauer asks, first-time caller, long-time listener. Does the NHL or the NHLPA allow a player to extend a contract but also reduce the cap at example? Not, to, not a suggestion. Zuccarello is two years uh, times six remaining. Could he sign new contract for three years, $50 million for a cap of fifteen? Uh, no. And uh, you can't restructure contracts in the NHL, and, in fact, you can't extend Zuccarello until the, going into the final year of the contract in the NHL. So you can't extend them with two years. Uh, James McCourtney ask if you were a Stanley Cup winner, what would you do with your day with the cup? It would have to have to do something with uh, pouring a bunch of americanos in it,
1: right? I was actually thinking vino more than americanos, oh, yeah, that's a good point. but it would vino maybe a. Couple vodkas, couple of steaks. Yeah, we would. Well, it would certainly we would be sipping the vino out of it while enjoying a great steak. It would visit my patio, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah maybe a golf course or two around town. I, there's not really like a specific place to which I would bring it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe up to show my guys at Totino Grace, but that's about it. Oh, I'd bring it up to Collegeville for sure. Yeah. We'd have to go out and hang out somewhere in Collegeville. We'd visit Sal's and maybe the La Playette and. Although I can't I'd be a little sells. worried what they'd put inside the cup, but it would that would be worth it
0: yeah um rock n h l goes with this time of the year being typically pretty quiet, what do you do uh, assuming you have more free time? I'm thinking that uh this person doesn't follow us on Twitter because he would know what we do. you golf I do nothing uh we did go you make. Sunday great Sunday dinners I come to those Sunday dinners um (laughs) I go to Europe and Cancun and places like that you golf um and go to Europe um he also asked is there a move that Bill Guerin has made that you think he regrets that's a good question um I So I, I do th- – one thing I think that he – if he had a do-over, like I, I get why he traded Nico Sturm. He turned down five years times two and a half. He was obviously got to – you want to get something for him. I I wonder if he would have added Tyson Joes to two million. That's a big chunk of change for somebody where there's no fr- no clear path to a top-nine role, let alone um, a scoring role. John Merrill extension, I sort of wonder about um, – the one, this is going to be really controversial, but I do wonder now in hindsight if they would have given uh, Jared Spurgeon seven times seven. Seven and a half.
1: Uh I think I'd be more likely to do that. I, the one that Remember, I... Remember, that did, was his
0: first move as GM yeah. when everybody's telling him you got to get Spurgeon done, you got to get Spurgeon done, right. you got to get Spurgeon done.
1: I would, I think... It might be more of the Goligoski signing mm-hmm. that might See, be. He, and you ask he, him that. I know like, he it makes doesn't. No sense to me. Right? It's weird. Yeah. I I just don't. It's weird. And again, not. It's not a knock on Alex Goligoski. And it's and the dollar number to which he's assigned now. Is nothing. I think is an accurate. Yeah. A se- but it just with the way he fits with this defensive core, yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So it's, it. But I will but, say, until the end of the year last year, Galagoski was good. He was good. Yeah. He was and, funny. And, and for what you're paying him, that's absolutely the fair price for him. Yeah. But it's just with it's kind of like we're talking about with Addison. When you look at how he fits with the rest of the guys on this blue line, it's hard to say that that would have been the best place to allocate those dollars. I, I'm I'm just guessing. I. Billy probably would tell you he doesn't regret anything he's done, yeah. but that's um, a guess. Rock
0: NHL has a good, really good question about my process in building relationships with players. I'll tell you what, I'll hold that for the August eighth show in Tuttles. That's a pretty good uh, talker for that show. Um, Sean, uh, any details on next summer's trip, Anthony? We have a couple.
1: We have a. We're gonna look at a few ideas and and the. Crew at Define Destinations is is working on pricing about, but we're we've talked about Croatia, talked about Sicily, talked about the Cinque Terre in the East south coast. of France. Yeah, Amalfi Coast. So it's it, there's a lot of different possibilities. We'll have an announcement soon with it, and, and no if doubt. you can possibly make it work, make it work yeah. because it's a, they're tremendous trips.
0: Um, a lot of other questions. This will be the last one, Anthony Dustin Nord. What's on tap for Sunday dinner? Margo's in charge of Sunday
1: dinner tonight because yep because this the twins game timing is a little bit off, we were a little bit late in the day. AJ's in town because he went up to uh, a buddy's point. cabin. So, and he's flying out tonight. So it was it was a condensed schedule. Margot's in charge. I have no idea what's on the schedule. Right. Well, Anthony's got to
0: get on the air right now. Thanks to everybody for listening to uh, Worst Seats in the House with Michael Russo and Anthony Lapanta. Again, our next live show August eighth at Tuttle's at seven p.m. And we're thinking the next two after that is at Elsie's August twenty fourth at seven p.m. and at Kowalski's in Uptown. August August 29th at 7 p.m. But those last two we will confirm on social media in our next couple podcasts. But I hope to see you at Tuttles on August 8th. A lot of good Twitter questions didn't make the cut today. I will keep them on my laptop for the show at Tuttles. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Kowalski's Bosch Law Firm, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Chris Lindahl, Royal, uh, it's Chris Lindahl Real Estate, uh, Chris Lindahl himself too and Royal Credit Union, of course, Tuttle's and Grain Belt as well. Talk to you August 8th, everybody. So much coming
1: out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world